Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so happy that you're here today. Praise God. Now we're going to receive the tithes and offerings first today. And let's look at a scripture that will help us in this area of the financial increase that God wants us to experience by going to John chapter six. And in verse four, we see that it says, now the Passover, a feast of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he is going to ask a question. So he says to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Oftentimes the Holy Spirit will reveal to you beforehand whenever the gift of working of miracles is going to come into action. And he'll let you know oftentimes, even before it's going to happen, what the game plan is. Praise the Lord. Well, eventually Andrew is able to round up a young boy that does have something that can be put into the hands of the Lord where God Almighty can multiply it when it is prayed over. There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000 and Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, always thank God for your food. Don't just start shoving food into your mouth when it's time for your meal. Praise God and thank him for the food. When he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. Well, there has been a miracle of multiplication and all the people have been fed. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Now there's something very interesting that if we look carefully, even uh, examine our own lives, then it's quite obvious that when you look back over perhaps the years or the decades of your life, that sometimes not every case, but sometimes uh, in, in moments, maybe we thought, well, I needed more money or I didn't have enough money. Uh, what can be taking place is that the income is actually okay, but it's the allocation of the money that you have that is not properly attended to or taken care of. And it is possible that we can even be wasteful. And we want to be frugal believers, not cheap or like a Scrooge mentality, not misers, not walking around with a poverty mentality. But even so, we don't ever want to be wasteful because fragments, whether it's fragments of barley bread, fragments add up, or especially if it's fragments of money. Praise the Lord. Now, let's talk just for a moment about discretionary money. What is discretionary money? It's money that is available for use at the discretion of you 
the user. And we could call it extra leftover money. You've paid your bills and, uh, uh, let's say you've even given the Lord the tithe, which is good. It belongs to him. But what do you do with discretionary money? What do you do with these uh, very uh, important leftover fragments? Praise God. Well, again, it's discretionary. It's up to you. But in these areas, we want to gather the fragments wisely and not just uh, be silly with them. I watched one time as a, as a church member wanted to take me out to do a little shopping. And the person was very nice. That person actually bought me a very nice men's cologne. I was very thankful, but he had some quite a, quite a bit of discretionary money. And he went over and bought himself uh, a little leather strap that probably cost about, Oh, five dollars in materials and maybe, maybe about $10 in effort to produce it. So it's maybe $15 product and it sold for $1,000 because it had a name of one of a very famous fashion brand stamped onto the leather. And that's all it was literally, literally it's no different from the leather that you would find in the shoelaces of somebody's construction work boot. But the piece of leather was designed to go around the wrist. It was tied together and held together with a little metal clamp. And it had the stamp of the famous fashion house branded onto the leather. And he spent $1,000 cash for that. But for him, it's discretionary mon money. So he's happy. So he doesn't care. But later, uh, it was only about two years later, he hit a money crunch. And I'm, uh, you know, and he, he would be like anybody. You could look around and you could see things that you spent money on. And then you think, wow, that probably wasn't a very good idea. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We need to be careful in these areas. What do you do with your leftover fragments? I'm not talking about leftover barley loaves or stuff that eventually becomes stale and we have to let it go. But these are areas we have to keep an eye on to even think about the barley loaves because it was the little boy that gave his offering and then put into the hands of the Lord, then with miracle multiplication. So it could be that Jesus said, Hey, really, you know, th these leftover fragments, they need to go back to the little boy and uh, make sure they're carried to his house. His parents can sell them. And, uh, you know, there, there's really no telling how that harvest was brought back to that child, but we don't want to lose our harvest. We want to be careful with leftover fragments. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you were to examine, just like anybody could, if you were to sit perhaps in your living room of your home, maybe sit in your garage and just look for a moment and you, maybe you could see things maybe in your closet that have not been touched or used for seven or maybe even 10 years. Maybe it, maybe it was an appliance that had the color. It had a color that you loved. And that's why appliances, whether it's KitchenAid, you know, they're going to make these colors that women are attracted to. Maybe you bought it because you love the color and you just want to sit it out on the counter because it looks cool and you buy it. Maybe it's 200, $300. Maybe you use it once a year and then that's it. It's put away, or maybe it's only used once and then put away with all the other stuff that's also not getting used or hardly ever brought out. 
What are we doing? Uh, I think what we're doing is we're making mistakes with discretionary money or what we would call leftover fragments. Praise God. But I think it is possible to look around and see that money could have been better used where we are walking in a spirit of self-control. We're also exercising wisdom and we're being frugal, not only about what we have, but even about the extra, we would call it the leftover fragments. You know, I heard a very honest minister one time say that he received a very large royalty check in the mail. He's written a lot of really famous Christian songs that are still sung all over the world today. And he was a lot younger when he did this, but when he got that royalty check, he said that he went out and bought cash, a brand new Rolls Royce. And of course, sometimes we do things because we want, we want to experience it. We want to have the experience of maybe be treated nice or maybe uh, uh, just the whole package of that experience that goes with something like that. But you know, it's, it's over with real quick. And he says today that it was one of the stupidest things that he ever did. But why? Because there was a time later in his life where he had some health problems and he had a lot of medical bills. And he's thinking, I had $250,000 cash and now he needs it. But he's like, I don't have it anymore. Now the car is real old. Now the car is only worth $25,000 because of depreciation. He eventually gave the car away to another minister. But these are decisions that we make with our leftover fragments or our discretionary money. And we have to get better with this. Praise God. And I really do believe that this is a form of stewardship, not only with what we could call maybe the bulk of, of the money that we have, or, you know, let's say it's 80%, but even discretionary money, uh, lots of fragments, maybe during the good times and there's fragments everywhere, but we don't really care if we lose 200 here or lose a thousand there. No, this form of stewardship of uh, stewarding the leftover fragments is a prerequisite for handling larger measures of financial increase. Wow. Praise the Lord. So let's honor the Lord with the tithe. Let's also give offerings as the Holy Spirit leads us. Let's put some money into savings and Let's just make sure that we don't do, for those of you that are in America, let's not do what most Americans do. Spend all of it. <laughs> spend the entire paycheck. Yeah, maybe even if you got your bills paid or whatever, but spend all of it. Wow. That is uh, not a good thing to do. Praise the Lord. Let me, uh, let me close by giving you some, uh, just a good example of what to do with your leftover fragments instead of just thinking that, well, it has to, has to be spent on something. Let's go do something else fun. And there is a place for money for recreation and things like that. But we have to be very careful about fragments. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse, tw verse eight, the Lord will command the blessing on you where in your storehouses. And I would suggest that you could take your leftover fragments. Now you can't do it with barley bread, right? Because <laughs> that has a shelf life, even if you put a bunch of preservatives in it, which they didn't have back in the Lord's day, of course. Uh, but still, 
you can get other types of uh, fragments like money fragments instead of just going out thinking, I've got to have another uh, dopamine release. I have to have another high with another shopping experience. Why not be disciplined and take that money instead and just put it into a storehouse of savings that the Holy Spirit would lead you to invest it in too. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, um, there is something about verse 8 and the storehouse principle that actually it cannot be explained. It's supernatural because if you put fragments of money into that savings or that storehouse, what you're doing is you're giving God the ability now to command a blessing on it. That actually is a miracle realm and it's hard to explain how it works and how you think, wow, I just started putting a little bit in there, but man, it's really starting to add up. Wow. And then you get, get an extra unexpected blessing that would come in. Okay. So you tithe, give God an offering. And instead of just going out and, you know, maybe buying something, which is going to end up being like another item or product that maybe gives a temporary thrill or is only used a few times. Then you think that was a real dumb purchase. And look, we've all done it. Okay. But instead you put it, you put that money into the storehouse and then you begin to see that God's commanding a blessing on it. And then it begins to grow supernaturally. I learned that through the teaching uh, of the ministry of pastor Al Jandel, who's down in South Texas. I, he, I think he passed away last year, really good ministry, lived his life out. But he learned this by taking pennies and dimes and nickels that came in the offering during the, during the church service. So when the tithes and offerings were received, some people would give uh, checks, some people would give cash, but there would always be some dimes and nickels and stuff like that. So he would begin to add up the nickels and the pennies and save them. And he saved them and eventually it got to about $200. Eventually the, the, the coinage got to about $700. Then it got to about $1,000. Then he turned it in uh, from uh, uh, coins into currency. And then he started saving and saving uh, and had a, had a savings account for the church. And it went from the initial small coins. It went, the, you know, to $1,000. Then it went to over time. And it took, it took some time. It went to $6 million cash savings at the church, the ministry had sitting in the bank. And this, this is leftovers. This is extra. This is fragments. The, the budget's still being met. The bills are still being paid. The ministry was still expanding. A new sanctuary is being built, but it's what you do with your excessive fragments that are left over. I tell you, wouldn't surprise me one bit that if some of you take this very, very serious within five or 10 years, you could be a millionaire. Oh, I know there can be, um, you know, inflation or depreciation of fiat money or whatever the case might be. But the, the bottom line is, is that regardless of what's going on in the earth, people, there's always people prospering all the time. And that's your portion. That's your heritage, your destiny. And you can follow the leading, the witness of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 17, the Bible says, the Lord, he says, I am the one that teaches you to profit. Not to, not to go into poverty. Nobody needs to be taught how to be poor. That's a self-inflicted wound. But he says, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit. So 
what I'm doing today is just taking one of the teachings from God's Word, one of His principles, that if you want to profit and you want to come into wealth, you have to watch this area of money fragments, leftover fragments. Woo! Praise God. Now let me pray over your finances. Father, I pray for your people as they're now honoring you with their finances through the tithe and through the sowing of seed. I pray you really help them with their storehouses to beef up and to build up their storehouses. And I thank you that you will do your part. Father, you said that you will command the blessing on their storehouses. Father, I pray that you give them supernatural insight to leftover fragments. Now, father, we thank you that the fragments can add up, can fill up 12 baskets, could fill up a savings account. Or whatever type of special account they designate. Now, Father, we thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I see you with very, um, very strong, viable storehouses. Wow. Praise God. Mm-mm. Amen. God's doing it. Now, for those of you that prefer to mail your tithe and your offering in, Please send it to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code here is 28654. For those of you uh, around the nation and around the world that prefer to bring the tithe and your special offering in online, you can do so by going to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage. It has a red heart on it, and it says, Give. You can click that and bring your tithe, which is 10% of all of your increase, 10% of your earnings. You, you can bring the 10% which belongs to the Lord there into the storehouse. Amen. And from anywhere in the world through this online internet capability. Also, if you would like to give an offering, then, then you can click the orange banner that says projects. And you'll see the various projects that we're working on. And thank you for sowing into those and moving the ministry forward. You know what? I believe you're going to start to notice fragments all over the place. <laughs> I really do believe that, that you're going to start to notice uh, wealth fragments all over the place. And you're going to begin to compile those and put them together and watch in five years, watch in five years, what God has done. He's going to make your little a lot. Woo, praise God. Amen. Father, bless your people. We thank you, O oh God. We love your word. We love your ways. You are so wise, and we give you all of the praise for illuminating your kingdom principles to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo, amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's take our Bibles today and go to the book of Acts, chapter 19. We're going to talk about spirit, special miracles that God can do for you. And it's always wonderful to receive a miracle. But also, I believe that as you begin to understand more about the Holy Spirit and about the anointing of the Spirit, I believe that God will also do special miracles even through you. Praise God. That's very exciting. We're going to talk about this today. Let's go over to Acts chapter 19. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we study your word today, let your Holy Spirit rain down wisdom and understanding 
of your word and of the way that you operate father, which sometimes can be quite different from even what we would intellectually perhaps try to uh, visualize it as being like, but father, thank you. Give us an understanding of your ways. And we ask that you would do miracles for us and through us for your glory in Jesus name. And we all say around the world today, amen. Praise God. Now Acts chapter 19 verse 11. Now God worked unusual miracles. So there's miracles, but there's miracles that also are in the category of being unusual that can make you scratch your head and think, wow, that really worked. That really happened. Yes, absolutely. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Praise the Lord. Now years back, I heard prophet Kenneth Hagin teach on this and he talked about the anointing and the ability that God has given for us to take a piece of cloth and pray over it. And when we're prayed up, uh, release anointing into the cloth, the cloth can be given to somebody and it can drive uh, that anointing in the cloth can cause evil spirits to be driven out. It can cause healings. But I do remember that Kenneth Hagin said that he could not because he tried, he could not get the anointing to go into paper, but uh, that would be even, we would call that just still, if it's going to happen with paper, okay, so we have cloth, like a, a prayer cloth, we call it. And I use those sometimes, but I have heard of others who did get it to work with paper. I was reading about an apostle that lives here in America. He received an urgent prayer request for somebody that was dying of a terminal illness in Africa. And the people in Africa, this company of believers believed that this apostle was truly anointed by God and that he walks in a healing anointing, which he does. And they said, please do something, pray, do, do something or he, or our beloved brother is going to die. So he said, well, Lord, what can I do? I can't get a prayer cloth over there. It'll take two weeks to get it over in, over there in the mail. What am I going to do? So he grabbed a piece of paper a standard piece of white paper. And he prayed over it and said, father God, let the anointing of your spirit go into this piece of paper now. And he took that paper and he faxed it. Uh, you know, hardly anybody uses faxes today, but uh, he had a fax machine. They had a fax there in, in, in that nation in Africa, there in their ministry place. And he faxed that piece of paper to them and they have a fax machine over there. And it just, you know, faxes through a regular sheet of paper over there. And he said, okay, well just take it. Cause the anointing went on it. The anointing went on it and they took it, laid that piece of paper, just a, you know, standard piece of paper and laid it on the sick man. And he was healed. He rose up healed by the power of God. So these things are very, very fascinating. The subject of what we can call special miracles, praise the Lord. And we see quite a few of them in the Bible. Let's take a look at one in the book of Mark, Mark's gospel. And this will be chapter seven. 
And I want you to know that God can get a miracle to you anywhere, anytime, any place. And we might think, well, you know, uh, Pastor Stephen, God couldn't get it here because they don't deliver mail here. God doesn't need mail delivery service. God has a million ways that he can bless you. And when you understand that there are special miracles, then you're more open to receiving uh, what God has for you. Your faith goes up because you think, yep, God can do it because of his unlimited ability to accomplish it. Mark chapter 7, verse 32 then they brought to him one who was deaf. Okay, so they're going to bring to Jesus a man who's deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they begged him to put his hand on him. Now, some of you are familiar with this story and similar anointings here in the Gospels, but I just want you to take a look at it from a fresh start because you have to admit. This is borderline, maybe almost like what we would call weird. And I've seen some things that looked very unusual and had, I had to stop and think before, but I've seen things that were on the edge, but they were of God. Now we today are not going to talk about the false, the fake, the counterfeit. We know that's out there. Okay. Today is not that type of a subject. Today I'm talking about the genuine that can stretch you. Just the genuine, wow, they can stretch you. So they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude. Why? Because, and you may have to do this too sometime, because Jesus operates best in a faith atmosphere, faith environment. And by the way, so do I. If you get Jesus in a group, even with the unlimited anointing that he was walking in, if you get him in a group of doubters and powders and do withouters and people that just don't believe, don't believe in him, don't believe in the anointing on him, uh, then that means great limitation is placed upon the anointing. Why? Because the anointing can be even unlimited like it was on the Lord. But if you don't connect with that anointing and you connect with it by faith, then it's not going to flow. Never forget what happened with Jesus in Nazareth. And he said that he could do there no mighty work. And a lot of evangelicals read that as if it's saying he would do there no mighty work. He just chose not to do it. No, that's not what it says. It says he could not do there any mighty work, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. So in other words, he could not get mighty miracles to happen there because there was so much unbelief that it's that there's no connection with the anointing on him. So all he could do is pray for a few, a few people. And that's not a lot. That's about maybe like eight or 10 people that had very minor ailments, maybe a little arthritis in the elbow, maybe a migraine or something like that, but nothing major, no blinded eyes being open, um, no paralyzed people jumping up, nothing like that. So here again, he took him aside from the multitude. Wow. You've got to get people into an atmosphere of faith. You have to either try to create that, or if they're in an atmosphere of unbelief, you may even have to walk them out of that and say, we need to go somewhere else and pray. 
Mm -mm. Trust me, if Jesus did, don't think you are going to have like a greater anointing than the, than the master himself. Mm -mm. He said that you would do greater works, right? He said, I'm going to go to, uh, to my father and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. You're going to do greater works. But those greater works are not greater in quality. They're only greater in quantity. Okay? So Jesus had large crowds, 20,000, 30,000. We today can have larger crowds because we have the ability to amplify the message. Uh, we have we have speakers and uh, electronics, and so we could we could draw a million people. Like what happened in a meeting some years back with Reinhard Bonnke, when in one meeting he led one million people to Christ. So uh, yes, and so we see there greater quantity, but not greater quality. Praise God. All right, now, and he took him aside from the multitude. Keep that in mind. You might have to do that sometime also. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears. That's not too unusual, okay? I've done that before, but I haven't done the next one. And he spat and touched his tongue. I've never done that before. Well, Pastor Stephen, why, why would Jesus do something like that? That looks very interesting. I'll tell you exactly why. Because the Holy Spirit told him to. Mm -mm. Now hold on just a minute, Pastor Stephen. You're going to have to give me chapter and verse on that. I need Bible on that. That's the way some people are, and they miss a miracle. Or they do not flow with that anointing, because the anointing sometimes will on purpose, um, how can I say, slap around the arrogance of the intellect. Mm -mm. Woo! Praise God. But he does this. He spat. He spat. It appears he spat on his fingers and touched his tongue. Mm. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, Pastor Stephen, we don't see any record of that in the Bible talking about the Old Testament. No, you don't. But just because it's not there doesn't mean that it's not God moving. Well, then how do you, how do we know? How do, how do we judge it? Well, we could, we could ask a couple of questions. Number one, did the person that it was done to, did they get blessed? Were they blessed? Were they healed? Were they bettered in their things of God and their journey with the Lord? Well, yes, the person's going to be completely delivered. Okay. Number two, was the Lord, was God glorified? Yes, Absolutely. Okay, well then we're good to go. Let's continue. Praise God. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. Immediately his ears were opened and the impediment of his tongue was loosed. And he spoke plainly. Then he commanded them that they should tell no one. Don't tell anybody. And you know what? He meant it. Don't tell people. But remember, these are people that... The, uh, in, this, in this group, these are people that would mock the Lord. These are people that would scoff and say, oh, that guy came. He was just faking. He didn't really have those issues. No. So Jesus says, don't tell people you've got your miracle. Don't tell people that, you know, enjoy your miracle. But watch out for those that would try to sh shame, strip, or dishonor the great, beautiful thing that God 
has done. That doesn't mean that you don't testify, but it does mean amongst some, it doesn't matter what your testimony is. It doesn't matter if, if, if you were raised from the dead right in front of them. Oh, Pastor Stephen, if they saw that, they would believe. No, they wouldn't. There were people that saw Lazarus raised from the dead, and some still did not believe. They saw him come out of the tomb wrapped in the grave clothes, and they still did not believe. And it actually says that the ones that didn't believe, they went and reported it to the Pharisees. They were tattletales. Wow. Mm -mm. Now, there are those, of course, that are impacted by signs and wonders and miracles and have enough sense to say this is the power of God. We, we should embrace God and what he's doing, but that doesn't mean everybody does. Praise the Lord. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, this is very interesting. Um, maybe we should uh, not, not, maybe we should say that Jesus is not so much the Messiah because that's a title. Maybe we should say Jesus, the spitting preacher. Yes, yes, uh, no. He ministered in all kinds of different ways. He ministered with with the, with the anointing of the Holy Spirit effectively in many different ways. So you have to understand that, and you have to understand the flow of the Holy Spirit. Why? Special miracles. Special miracles. I've never once in my life ever spit on my fingers and then told the person, stick your tongue out. Here, receive. And put the spit on their tongue. I've never once ever done that. Why? God's never told me to do that. Mm. Woo! Praise the Lord. But obviously the Holy Spirit told him to do it, and it worked, which is what anything will take place. Anything will work when, the, when God instructs you to do it. Now, let's continue on. Let's go to Mark chapter 8 and drop down to verse 22. Be open to unusual miracles so that you can receive from God. Okay, and at other times, so that God can flow through you to be an instrument of his power and blessing. Now, again, Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Verse 22. Then he came to Bethsaida. Ooh, well, you know that Bethsaida has already been blasted by the Old Testament prophets, blasted verbally as being a very deplorable city, a place that fought against God's goodwill and God's good plan. In other words, a bunch of corrupt people living there. Then he came to Bethsaida. Also, you and I both know that Bethsaida and Chorazin were cities that Jesus spoke over and said, because you've rejected me and my teaching, you're going to be pulled down in the hell. That's what's going to happen to the occupants of those wicked unbelieving cities that have an atmosphere of scoffing and mocking and ridiculing the holy things of God. So then he came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. You know, this would be fascinating to watch Jesus minister because honestly, you don't know what he's going to do. <laughs> he could do standard procedure, laying hands on people, imparting the anointing that way, or you don't really know what he's going to do, which is why meetings where the Holy Spirit is moving are meetings that you never want to miss. Praise God. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Did you catch that? 
he on purposes on purpose takes him out of the town. Why? The unbelief is too strong here. Get him out of this corrupt, wicked city. Let's just walk out of the town. Let's get on the outskirts of ways. Get away from this spirit of doubt and unbelief that's on all of these people. Let's go over here. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, there's a place where you need everybody to watch. And no, there's a place you also don't. There's a place you don't. And there are times in the Bible where somebody has died and the prophet or the man of God says, okay, you and you are the only ones coming in this room with me. Everybody else, you're not allowed to come in. And sometimes that might even mean mommy and daddy, you can't come in either because why just uh, unbelief and faith praise the Lord glory. See when you're in an atmosphere like that and you're on fire with the anointing and you, you pick up, all of this stuff. You start picking up all of this stuff in the spirit realm. And what will happen if there's all kinds of people that are scoffers and don't really believe, you know, they doubt it will cause your spirit to turn inward and you cannot get that anointing to flow out. So what do you do? Well, in some cases you've only got one option in this case, grab him by the hand and we're getting out of this town right now. Follow me. You're going to get a miracle, but you're not going to get it here. We have to get out of this place. Mm -mm. Look, these are things that you're going to have to understand when it comes to flowing with the Holy Spirit. There's various dynamics that are involved in order to see the power of God flow. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. And let him out of the town. Here we go again. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. It, it doesn't even say that. He put the spit on his fingers and then, no, it just says he spit on his eyes. I mean, he could have just went up right directly to him and just spit right in his face on his eyes. Well, Pastor Stephen, that's enough. I'm out. I, I'm going back to my traditional mainline denominational church. I can't handle this. I can't handle this Jesus guy and this style and this stuff. This is, this is too much. Okay. You're probably going to miss your miracle. God will sometimes do things like this. The Holy Spirit will lead it this way sometimes to insult the pride and arrogance of intellectual people who they, it's almost like they despise spiritual things because they feel they're so strong. Maybe they don't need the miracle. So they sit there and critique and judge and they have perfect health in their bodies and they have tons of money in their bank accounts and they think, well, what's the problem? And then somebody starts moving like that. They're like, ah, I'm out of here. Yep. Praise the Lord. And that's why many of them, when they had their moments of great need, they went under. Why? They have no clue of who God is and his ways and how he works. And that's the thing about Moses is that it says about Moses, he understood the ways of God. He began to get a good understanding of how God operates. Woo! Praise God. So Jesus spits in the man's eyes. Pastor Stephen, have you, have you ever done that? No, I've actually never done that once. Well, why did Jesus do it? The Holy Spirit told him to. And the Holy Spirit has not told me to do that. And if you do something like that publicly with TV cameras rolling and you spit in somebody's eyes that's maybe blind and God didn't tell you to do it, you may be facing a very expensive lawsuit. Wow. Or, or, or maybe somebody standing next to him uh, could get mad or push you or who, who knows what could happen, right? 
But when the Holy Spirit is moving, it's amazing what you can do. Praise God. And of course, it's amazing what he does with that liberty that's flowing and also, very importantly, his power that's flowing. Now watch something very important. Jesus asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. What does it, what does it mean? It means boom, that anointing has hit real strong. But this man has been in such an atmosphere of doubt and unbelief. Who knows? Maybe even, maybe he had some of those unbelieving Christians around him. Well, we know that's not the case technically, but there were obviously, I'm sure a lot of unbelieving Jews that were hanging around. And so the vision is only being partially restored. This, from what I can see, is the only place in Scripture where Jesus actually has to pray twice for somebody. Well, Pastor Stephen, Jesus could do anything he wanted. He was God. Uh, no, he needs our cooperation, and he needs us to be connecting with the anointing that's all over him. But even here, in this case, he's working like uphill. He's like walking uphill, endeavoring to get this miracle over to this man. So he actually has to pray for him again. Mm. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up, and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Pastor Stephen, have you ever had to pray twice over somebody? <laughs> Absolutely. Sometimes three times, sometimes four times. Because you're, you're trying to get that anointing to flow. Mm -mm, and you're trying to get them to receive it. Praise the Lord. Then he sent him away. Now, he, now, now the guy can see perfectly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, Neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. I don't understand that, Pastor Stephen. Shouldn't he go back to all those unbelievers and testify and say, look, can't you see it's true? I can see now. No, Jesus said, do not go back into that town that has been given over to the wrath and judgment of God. Wow. And that's something, again, also that only the Holy Spirit can lead you in. Pastor Stephen, I'm going to go back to that hospital. I'm going to show those doctors what God has done. Well, you go, remember, you could be walking right back into an area of saturated unbelief, of saturated even um, hostility against God. Wow. Mm, 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 mm. Very interesting. So in this case, he said, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Don't worry about your testimony. You can tell somebody else. Don't tell them. Praise God. Why? They're never going to believe. No matter what you do, they're never going to believe. They're going to scoff and mock and laugh no matter what you say, no matter how many miracles that are done. And there had been many done in these cities, and they just reject it. So these, again, are dynamics of the anointing that we need to understand in this area of receiving and even being involved in helping others get special miracles. Special miracles. Mm. Praise God. Praise the Lord. It is possible that even in a church setting, when the Spirit of God wants to move and the anointing comes on you, it is even possible in times like that, even in a church setting or a, a special meeting event, that you may still have to take 
that person to the side, maybe to a side room or somewhere else where you get them away from those that would be in wanting to surround, but they're surrounding in unbelief. Very interesting. Praise God. One more scripture, John chapter nine, John chapter nine, verse one. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth and his disciples asked him saying, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to them, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent or the pool of sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing Woo! praise the Lord glory to God. So here we have another situation where Jesus spit and he's going to mix it with some clay and put it on the eyes of the person. So there are unusual factors, unusual miracles sometimes with the anointing and you have to be careful that you don't let it throw you praise the Lord. Now apostle Smith Wigglesworth, the British minister of God. He ministered often in America. He, uh, actually his favorite church to minister at in America was there in Los Angeles, California at Amy Simply McPherson's church. But sometimes, uh, not, not often, but sometimes particularly when it came to the case of dealing with people with cancer, the Holy Spirit would tell Smith Wigglesworth to punch the person in the stomach. And one time as he's going down the healing line, he did come uh, to a man that had cancer. The man is standing in front of him and the man is super skinny. He had cannot eat. He's lost all of his muscle mass and he's wearing like a nightgown. And the doctor is standing very close to him, his personal doctor. And the Holy spirit told Smith Wigglesworth punch him in the stomach. And Smith Wigglesworth did just boom, punched him real stout in the stomach. And the man fell out on the floor and the doctor screamed, you've killed him. I'm going to sue you for everything you've got. And uh, Smith Wigglesworth didn't pay any attention, attention to it and just went right on down the prayer line, praying for people like he normally would laying on of hands, uh, releasing the anointing for healing. But within 10 minutes, that man was up off the floor and was dancing and was standing next to Smith Wigglesworth as he continued to minister as he stood there praising the Lord, dancing the whole time, hands in the air, praising God. Mm -mm. Pastor Stephen, have you ever punched anybody in the stomach under the anointing? Only in one, one meeting did I do that. And I did it on a whole row of people. And that happened one time in Taiwan when I was ministering in Taiwan and there's maybe, maybe like a, a at least I think a, a probably a hundred people. I just went boom, boom like that down the whole line to everybody's stomach. Boom, boom. Not, not like, like that, not like that, but like boom, boom. 
boom, boom, just walking one after another. One, two, three, four, just going all the way to probably about 100 people. And there was anointing. I just went with the flow. And every person I went, boom, they would just fall out in the spirit. And uh, after the service, I was kind of like, I wonder what actually was going on. I knew that God's power was flowing, but I began to ask people what happened. And they, this is what they told me. Pastor Stephen, when you, boom, punched me or popped me like that in the stomach, it felt like a spiritual bomb went off on the inside of me and the deep waters of the spirit like a river began to erupt on the inside of me. And, and usually they would fall out praising God. Many of them went in the visions. Many of them had heavenly experiences. They were caught up in the heaven. So that's what was going on. Boom. It was like a spiritual release that was taking place. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory to God. Prophet Kenneth Hagin said that he was in a healing line one time. And there was a woman that had a tumor and it looked like she was pregnant. But the woman said, uh, this is actually a, this whole thing in me is a tumor that's making my stomach uh, look so large. And Kenneth Hagin said, the Holy Spirit said, punch her in the stomach. And he thought, oh God, I can't do that. That's uh, uh, I, I'll never be invited to speak or preach because uh, you know, there was a lot of pastors there. He said, I'll never be invited ever again to speak. And the Holy Spirit again said, punch her in the stomach. And he said, God, I can't do that. And the third time the Holy Spirit said, punch her in the stomach. He said, okay. Now, he's not saying this verbally, but he's offering this up as a prayer as God's talking to him. He said, okay, I'll do it. But first I'm going to explain to the people what, why I'm doing this. And he just stopped for a moment. He told everybody, he said, the Holy Spirit just told me to punch this woman in the stomach. And he said, I want you to know this is God's power that's going to be released and I'm doing this under the anointing, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and boom, just punched her in the stomach. And before everybody, everybody, he said there was probably about a hundred witnesses. He said before everybody, he said it's like a pin popping a balloon. And that stomach that she had with that tumor just, boom, it went completely flat. And the woman was like, where did it go? Where did the tumor go? Kenneth Hagin said, I don't know. I don't know. But she had a completely flat stomach after that. And that's when I was punching people, boom, or just like that, boom. The Holy Spirit had anointed me to do that. But anytime we hear from the Lord and we hear accurately, the results will always be good. I did see a video once of a young man in India who I guess he thought he was the next Smith Wigglesworth. Remember, these are special miracles. They're, 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 they're unusual. This is not your normal method of operating. But this uh, young minister uh, in India thought, well, this is, how, this is going to be my standard method of operating, punching people in the stomach. And uh, he really damaged some people. He would hit them real hard in the stomach and they would bend over and grimace in pain. And, uh, you know, cause he just hurt them really bad. And then he would stand there and say, see, look at their face. They're grimacing in pain as they're being delivered. The evil is coming out. God's healing them now. Boom. And he give them a double dose. And, um, that didn't last very long. He completely, uh, destroyed, uh, his ministry pretty much by doing that. And, uh, also hurt, a lot of people. Uh, so you have to hear from the Holy Spirit. But what I'm trying to say is that there are times that the Holy Spirit does lead in areas that can really challenge the intellect uh, that 
as you stand back and watch it, you can think, wow, that's crazy, but it could still be God moving in it. Praise the Lord. Glory. Again, how do we judge? Was the person blessed, healed, delivered, saved? Was Jesus exalted and glorified as Lord? Amen. Praise God. So we have, uh, you know, we could start like a, like a new category. We could have the spitting preacher. We could have Jesus, uh, you know, pictured there uh, with a robe and a crown on. And we could say uh, the greatest of all spitting preachers. But then you could have the punching preachers, <laughs> right? But again, unusual anointings, unusual miracles. How about the dancing preacher? I've had that anointing hit me too. And anytime the dancing anointing has come on me, I'll start, I'll start dancing. And the strangest thing of all is that, see, I've never had a dance lesson in my life. I don't know anything about dancing. But when I start dancing, it's, uh, I start doing this, it's called the shag, it's like a shag dance. And I started doing it one time in Southern California in the middle of one of my preaching sessions without knowing that there was a professional shag dancer there in the meeting. And he rushed up to my wife after the meeting and said, wow, where did your husband ever learn to dance like that? That's like a very high level of shag dancing he was doing. He said, I know because he said, I travel the different shag dances all over the country. And, and that's actually the, the dance that is known uh, here in North Carolina. And every time Kelly and I drive by the Holiday Inn, it's pretty often you'll see the big billboard saying, Friday night, shag dance. Woo! And that's just the big thing here. Well, that comes out of me. Uh, technically, I don't even know how you define it, but that's what people say I'm doing when I, when I do that. And I don't even think about it. I just, <laughs> I just kind of let go and start dancing. To me, it's almost like acting silly, but it's in the anointing and people get delivered. People get healed. People get uh, set free from depression or whatever it might be. Oh, 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 Pastor Stephen, then we need to have a category for you, the dancing preacher. So now we have the spitting preacher, then we have the punching preachers, and then we have the dancing preachers. Mm. But no, we don't need to have these categories. It's just the anointing. It's just the anointing. We could go on. How about the laughing preacher, right? Everybody, if, uh, if you remember back in the 90s, if you were alive then, back in the 1990s, you had Rodney Howard Brown, who had come from South Africa to America, and he had an anointing of laughter. And I have been in one of his meetings just feet away, and I saw a person locked down with depression. I mean, they really looked like a sad case. And I saw Rodney Howard Brown and his wife ministering to that person. And there was also an usher. And I saw the spirit fall. I saw the man get delivered. And I saw the usher break out in laughter because he himself was going through his own personal challenges. And they, they began to laugh. And those that were set free were laughing and laughing and laughing. The Holy Spirit fell on my wife back in the early 90s and delivered her from a great trial that she had passed through. And he delivered her. She fell out on the floor. She could not be picked up even by strong men. She laid out on the floor for hours and hours weeping and then also laughing as God was doing a type of spiritual surgery on her. But there is a laughing in the spirit. Absolutely. And you can look back and stand back with an intellectual perspective and say, that's crazy. And the whole thing could be of God. And the person mocking it is actually the person that's crazy. 
Wow. You know, I think about the time that when Rodney Howard Brown went to ORU, or Roberts University, there in Tulsa, and he went with that anointing. Uh, but he had never really been to that part of America before, so this was new exposure for those uh, that were in those meetings. So this just so happened to be at a time when Richard Roberts was the president of ORU at that time, and he was under tremendous pressure because of all of the debt financially that the university was now in. So he he's there to, you know, uh, open this up to the student body and let Rodney Howard Brown minister to the uh, students there. But, and he's having, he's smiling, but behind the scenes, he's hurting because of all of the pressure that the debt is causing. He's, and he's the one that's leading the university. Well, he allows Rodney Howard Brown to get started and, and, st and stuff like that and announces him. And then Richard Roberts goes to sit back down in his chair. And when he went to sit down in his chair, he missed it and sat on the floor. And when he, when his bottom hit the floor, he broke in true, just phenomenal Holy Spirit laughter. Did you know I was reading a book from the 1700s that's talk, that talked about revivals of church history, particularly the ones in the 1700s. And there was a meeting one time up in the, one of the New England states where there was a minister there that was getting ready to minister. And the pastor, who wasn't quite sure about all this stuff, introduced the guest speaker. And when the pastor went back to take his seat, when he went to go sit down, he missed the chair and fell on the floor, and the moment his bottom hit the floor, he broke out into uncontrollable laughter, and the guest speaker was known as being a minister who walked in the mantle or the anointing of laughter. So look, this, this stuff has been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years. Pastor Stephen, so now we have the spitting preachers, now we have the punching preachers, now we have the dancing preachers, now we've got laughing preachers, and really... Really, you could, uh, you could even go further. I've been in some meetings where some anointings got really, really strange. Um, I was ministering one time in Asia, and the host told me, this is the first time I ever worked, tag team, and worked with this one prophet from Canada. And the host from Singapore told me, he said, now look, he said, Pastor Stephen, I on purpose want you to go right after him when he's done. He's going to minister for about 50 minutes. And get, brace yourself, he said, get ready, because he ministers um, with, a, with a different anointing. It's, it's even different from the spitting, punching anointing. It's like a drunken anointing. It's like, it's like a drunkenness will come on him, and it's almost like he'll start uh, doing things as if he's drunk. But it's the anointing coming on him. But, he's, but the host said, he said, now watch. He said, he's going to get into that anointing. It will begin to open up the glory realm. Soon as he does, he's going to hand it over to you. And then you go in and then just push it and just blow the whole thing wide open. <laughs> I said, okay, you're the host, whatever you want to do. So this prophet from Canada, who's older than I am, he goes and starts to minister and teaches a little bit, but he's laughing and he starts, he starts doing things that, that, I, um, I would say the best way to describe it is when David spoke to his wife, Saul's daughter, and said, you've made fun of me while I've been out here 
praising the Lord and worshiping God. And all you can do, I come back home and all you can do is mock me and make fun of the way I worship and serve the Lord. He said, I'll be even more undignified than this in your eyes. <laughs> he said, if you think that's, he said, if you think that's dishonorable or causes me to lose my reputation because I identify with God and the moving of the spirit, he said, I'll be even more undignified than this. I would have to describe that prophet as being one of the most undignified prophets, ministers of the gospel I've ever seen. Because he did things that made himself actually look silly or goofy. And if you were like very arrogant or proud or stuffy or stuck up or, you know, snooty or think that you needed to like, you could only go to a high snob society church, you'd have been out of there in five seconds. You, could, you wouldn't have lasted. And he, it, actually, the first time I saw him minister, it challenged me because I was like, wow, wow, Lord, this is wild. But as I watched him, sure enough, I got the Holy Spirit started opening my spiritual eyes, and I saw a portal of glory begin to spin behind him. And the more he laughed and the drunker in the spirit he got, the faster that glory portal began to open up in the back and it started spinning colors and the whole glory realm started opening up. And right when it did, he stopped, he stopped and the, the host said, Pastor Stephen, go down. And I walked right up at that moment. He went, sat down. I walked right up and boom, we just pushed the thing like over the edge. <laughs> And supernatural fragrance, supernatural glory, people all over begin to, to go into visions and to be caught up into the third heaven. It was off the charts. And you could have blown the whole thing. We could have, I could have blown the whole thing by thinking, ah, oh, th this, this, th this reminds me of somebody drunk. Now, Pastor Stephen, it says in the scriptures that um, we need to um, be uh, on guard and we need to be sober. Yeah, that's talking about being spiritual sober, but that doesn't mean you have to be a prune. That doesn't mean that you can't flow with this anointing. Because even the early church apostles on the day of Pentecost, it was said of them, they were, and it was said in a mocking tone, these men are drunk. Peter stood up and said, no, we're not drunk, as you suppose. <laughs> Why would people say they're drunk? Because the spirit can fall, which is why it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, don't be drunk in wine, a thing in which excess is so easy, but be filled with the Spirit. Woo! And there are similarities with a strong in feeling that can have similarities with that of what drunk people can sometimes be like, where you actually don't care. You can get drunk naturally. You don't care what people think. And you don't actually even know how maybe extreme you are. But the Holy Spirit can come on you with, remember, a wine in the Old Testament is a type of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit can come on you with that new wine, and you can become in incredibly bold. And you don't even realize sometimes what's happening. And um, uh, you just think it's normal, and you're doing stuff, and then later you're like, wow, I did a meeting one time. And, uh, and I went into the meeting, you know, really prayed up and had a real, I felt real dialed in with the Lord, but I got into the service and I just start doing my thing. And I, to me, it, I could tell it was a good service, but it also the Lord allowed it to me to be kind of like still a little bit like normal. And when I got done, one of the, one of the ministers, a guest minister that was there said, Stephen, he said, I don't even see how you're standing up in that meeting. He said, the anointing 
and, and the presence of God in the whole place was so strong, we, could, we couldn't even see how you were standing up. <laughs> it was like a phenomenal anointing. I said, really? <laughs> I said, I'm just having a good time. <laughs> I was drunk. I was drunk. But that Canadian prophet, he would get so drunk in the spirit and uh, would kind of like, you know, weave around and laugh. And the more he would laugh, the people would start laughing and they're starting to get drunk. And the whole time the glory realm was opening up. Wow. 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 I went back and ministered with him another year in Asia. And uh, there was another speaker that was invited that was a multimillionaire many, many, many times over. And when that speaker, the, the wealth, super wealthy Christian pastor, multimillionaire, saw the Canadian prophet start to minister, that person immediately left that just left and said, ah, this is not my thing and flew all the way back to where they came from. And the host, it hurt his feelings. But he, and I said, Hey, I said, don't let that pain you. I said, the person just can't see it. The spur, the person has no spirituality at all. They're saved. Yes. Very administrative. Absolutely. Organized to the T. Yes. Can they get in the spirit? No, no, no. Should have never been there probably in the first place, which is why you, you want a team where there's chemistry, Holy Spirit chemistry that can work. So what I'm trying to tell you, even with Jesus, he's aware of these dynamics. He's aware of criticism. He's aware of, and sometimes you can blast right through it, but other times, um, Look, that, that's why Billy Graham wanted, anytime he did a stadium crusade, he wanted that stadium to be at least half full, preferably more, with solid Christians. Why? I've heard of meetings. Uh, my own pastor one time did a meeting uh, years back when almost everybody that showed up, and they showed up by the thousands, they were all unbelievers. And he said, now you need to repent, or you're going to go to hell. And they all shouted, we want to go to hell. And uh, you need to turn from these things because these things are evil. And they said, yeah, we know they're evil. We like them. And he had a battle. I, there was a spiritual battle. And he had gone to that meeting taking it too lightly, did not have the prayer support. And it was a raw atmosphere of unbelief and no faith. And it was actually and extremely hostile against the gospel. He was glad it didn't get out of control. It almost did. Mm -mm. But you have to be aware of the anointing. And when it's there, flow with it. And when it's unusual, uh, some could even call it strange because they're not used to it. They're not used to that new wine flow of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you're, you have to understand these things so that you can receive what God has for you. I've had the Holy Spirit come on me before so strong twice I've fallen out like a drunk man and have laughed uncontrollably. Now, I could control it in a sense where I could shut it off, but I'm already in a flow where I actually want God to fill me with the Holy Spirit, so I'm certainly not going to try to resist. But I'm talking about where I can't stand up. You know, this is not like where maybe you have a well-known minister pray for you, and you kind of, you do the, you do the uh, courteous kind of fallback just to kind of gently cooperate with the anointing. No, I'm talking about where God touches you so strong, instantly all strength evaporates out of your body. You collapse like a rag doll on the floor and you laugh, laugh, laugh like a total drunk person. And you, you know, you would have to think now, what, what, what would people think if they saw me like that? They, well, if they didn't know the ways of God, they probably would think I'm drunk <laughs> or crazy or both. 
but they said that about Peter. But I'm telling you, there's some things about the glory and about the way the anointing operates. We need to understand this, whether it's spitting in somebody's eyes uh, under the anointing. Okay. We're talking about the authentic, not the fake. Okay. Or boom, the punch or whatever it might be when God's in it. Woo, flow with that flow, and you're going to see some beautiful miracles happen. Lift your hands, Father, I pray for your people that they step into the miracle zone, that they can receive miracles very smoothly, and that they can also be a vessel that you can pour through very fluidly. Father, we thank you. We give you praise, all of it, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, if you're watching today and you don't know Christ, Jesus, the Messiah, as your Lord and Savior, you can make your peace with God today. And I want to, I want to lead you in a prayer. But also, if you're watching and you used to be a Christian, but you have fallen away, you need to come back to the Lord today. Maybe you're thinking, Pastor Stephen, I'm kind of like that prodigal son who ran away from God, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm miserable. I don't like my life. I don't like sin, nor its consequences. Today, you need to come back to the Lord and be restored back. Okay, so I want you to pray this prayer too. All right, those of you that you're ready to make your life right with God, say this out loud in, as a prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash me with your precious blood. I fully surrender my life to you. Jesus, write my name in your book of life and step into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward. In your name, I pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. Welcome. Welcome to the family of God. And those of you that just came back, welcome back home. Praise the Lord. Glory. Well, my friends, let's take Holy Communion again something that could challenge the intellect. Pastor Stephen, it's just grape juice and bread. There's nothing to that. No, there's a miracle meal going on right here. Amen. There is anointing being infused into you. Amen. Through the blood and the flesh of your Savior. So grab some unleavened bread, a little cracker, grab what you have available, and some grape juice. If you don't have grape juice, grab something like apple juice or whatever you've got temporarily until you get some grape juice. And let's pray. Father, thank you for the bread, the juice. We bless it. And now set it apart as being holy through this prayer. And we thank you that this is the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Father, we admit that there are things we don't understand why your spirit always does things the way, the way he does it. But we embrace it. We embrace him. We accept him. And Father, we thank you while we only covered a few of these variables, whether it's spitting or a punch or a dance or a laugh or even something like spiritual holy drunkenness. Father, we thank you there's also still even more, many more expressions also that would be under that category of special miracles. And Father, as we receive the Lord's flesh, we say, Lord, have your way. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the Lord's body. The Holy Spirit, to the uninformed, to the spiritual illiterate, 
may even seem rude. There is a woman apostle. She pastored, her and her husband pastor a church in Long Beach, California. She went to minister in the South Pacific. She's ministering in the church. She preaches a good message, says, I want to pray for the sick. Whole bunch of people line up with various maladies and illnesses. And uh, this was, uh, uh, I can't remember the, the uh, island nation, but she's ministering South Pacific. And there at the church, all these sick people are lined up a long, long line. She starts going down the line, praying for people one at a time, laying on hands, laying on of hands, laying on of hands. She gets to one woman and the Holy Spirit spoke to the apostle and said, tell that woman, stick out her tongue. And so, you know, this, this minister says, stick out your tongue. And the lady didn't do it. The lady didn't do it. And the Holy Spirit came on that woman real strong with tremendous boldness. And that minister said, I told you, stick out your tongue. And she did. She stuck it out and obeyed. And everybody gasped. Well, the, the minister didn't think anything. The lady just stuck her tongue out. What's the big deal? You didn't do it the first time. So she just goes right on down the line, praying for people, ministering to people. She found out after the healing session was over that the woman who stuck her tongue out was born without her tongue. And she had no tongue. She had no tongue. But the anointing came and it was released with creative power. Praise God. Well, Pastor Stephen, I, I thought that was rude. Well, hallelujah. Be rude and get your tongue. Amen. It's not rude. It's just, it's just boldness. But sometimes people don't understand, again, the ways of the anointing. We're going to have to learn these. Praise God. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus, the cleansing power of the blood. Father, if there's anybody who has sinned against us, we forgive them. We bless them. And we move on in you. And Father, if we've committed any sin, we ask you to forgive us also. We thank you. We thank you, Father, for the cleansing blood of Jesus. We thank you for protection and peace. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the Lord's precious blood. Praise God. Praise God. Glory, glory. I had uh, a funny story. And, I, and again, when this was told to me, I've heard it. I've heard it that it's happened to other ministers also. But a friend of mine who's now in heaven, Apostle Neville Johnson, said that he had a woman in the line wanted prayer. I think, I think she had cancer. And uh, she said, please pray for me. I've got, I've got, you know, cancer. So he said, he told me later, he said, Stephen, I laid my hands on her head very strongly and prayed, really prayed. And she fell out in the spirit. And when she fell out in the spirit, she fell to the floor, but Neville had his hand on her head. When she fell, the uh, devil didn't know it, but she had a wig and the wig, the wig stuck to his hand. And so when she fell out on the floor, she's bald headed probably from the chemotherapy, uh, of course. But when she fell out and that thing, she knew her hand, her, her wig was still stuck to Neville's hand. And Neville's like, it's like, and everybody, and everybody saw it. It caused the Holy Spirit to hit her with such supernatural laughter because the enemy would say, oh, how embarrassing, how shameful. But the Holy Spirit 
hit her with such a force of laughter, and the Holy Spirit healed her at the same time. <laughs> Woo, amen, amen. And I've had, I've had, actually, my own pastor told me one time, he was praying for a person, and they fell out in the Spirit, and they had a wig on, and the wig stuck to his hand too. And he couldn't get it detached from his hand. And that person was healed also. Because the Holy Spirit cho chose a moment of vulnerability to bless them with a miracle, a, a, a very unusual miracle uh, that would come through an unusual means of deliverance. Praise God. God's going to get you. God's got a million different ways He can get that miracle to you. And it's, He could do it in a traditional way, but He could also do it in ways that would be the least possible thing that you would ever think of. So be open to special miracles, special means of delivery, and also for God flowing through you in very unusual ways. I've had many also, I would, I would take time, but uh, some of the stories are a little bit long. We'll talk more about them in the future, but I've had some very unusual things where God moved through me with very unorthodox ways, some of which have only happened, uh, I'm thinking of one right now, of supernatural hunger. Uh, that has only come on me twice, but during those moments, God did something where there is a release, deliverance, salvation for others, praise God. But it's lifted, and I can't fabricate that. I can't go out and push a button, make it happen again. These are unusual anointings. But my friends, the anointing can always flow. But today we've been discussing the area of unusual areas of the anointing, unusual miracles. Please be open to that. Because I see them occurring more and more in the days in which we live, including today. God bless you. Thanks for watching. And I'll see you back next time real soon. Bye-bye.